morning. Um, open them with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans, the first chapter. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 1, and we'll see what all we have time for. Praise God this morning. Romans chapter 1. The Lord gave Sister Dot a word that um, uh, pertains to this new year, and so I'm going to begin this morning by reading that. Um, the word of the Lord is that the year 2019 will be unlike any year you have known. Amen. Tradition shall lose its hold on my believers as they seek truth, not fiction, spirit, not fables, right, not compromise. Become familiar with the first miracle at Cana and learn from the Master. This shall be a year of revelation beyond your imagination. For those who are ready to receive, my words will leap from the pages of your Bibles and take up residence in you as never before. Am I not still the God of the impossible? But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Then my words will come forth with boldness, confidence, and power to those who have ears to hear and hearts to receive. Hear what the Spirit is saying. Selah. Amen. And so we receive uh, that word Amen for this coming year. Amen. Romans chapter 1. And um, let's begin in verse 18. Romans 1 and 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So he's talking about God in creation. Amen. God in creation. Um, Bethany is going to be nursing Oliver. And, uh, of course, she's a biology, uh, has a degree in biology, teaches biology, and and is fascinated by all these things. And, and um, she was talking about how the mother's body responds to the individual baby and, and literally produces in the mother's milk exactly what the baby needs. And even a mother who has babies, you know, let's say she has one and then gets immediately pregnant again and has another and has two babies nursing at the same time, that that literally one breast will provide the, a composition of milk for the newborn baby and the other breast will provide a completely different composition of milk for the older child um, to, to provide for that child exactly what that child needs. Two, one mother nursing two children at different ages. Now, we could spend the rest of this year talking about the fascinating aspects of creation. Amen. But what creation is, if it's anything, is a giant index finger pointing to our Creator. Amen. Pointing to the existence of a divine intelligence, capital D, capital I, who has designed this planet in which we live, created this planet in which we live, and then created us and put us in it. And so, 
he says that even those who maybe have never heard the Bible or heard a sermon, creation itself is a testimony of his eternal power and Godhead. Now listen to verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. The message translation reads this verse this way. He says that when they chose not to recognize him as God, that we trivialized ourselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in our lives. Knew God perfectly well, but refused to treat him as God. Now, Paul begins the book of Romans with an explanation, and that explanation is pretty simple. God created us to live way up here. We're living way down here. What happened? Why are we living so far below, so far beneath what God created and designed us for? And he gives the answer as simply knowing God but refusing to treat him, honor him as God. Now, when we think of Jesus and who he is to us, we understand that he came to this earth as a human being, but that is not when Jesus came into existence. Jesus is the eternal Son of God. He is uncreated. He was in the beginning with God, and the Bible says that of this created realm, this cosmos, that nothing that was created was created without Him. So He is God, and of course, there was that wonderful, beautiful day when God the Father gave Jesus to us, and He came to this earth in the form of a, of a human being in order to, to save us and in order to redeem us. And the Bible says of all creation that it was created by Him, but it was created also for Him. And, and we also see that, that in Him it all uh, consists. In other words, He's the glue that holds all of this together. Not just the created realm, but He's also the glue that is meant to hold you and me together. He, think of Him as the hub of your life and everything that has anything to do with your life as spokes um, projecting out from that hub. Amen. If you, if you remove the hub, all the different pieces of your life just become detached pieces floating in space. There's, there's, there's no rhyme or reason or purpose or meaning to any of it. Amen. Now, if I have a word for you for 2019, the word is simply this. It's the year to give Jesus the place He deserves in your life. It's the year to give Him place. Amen. And what we're seeing in Romans, as we begin this morning, is that the whole undoing of mankind on planet Earth can be traced back to a failure to give God the place in our individual hearts, in our individual lives, that 
not only belongs to him, not, you know, it, vocabulary sometimes fails us when we, when we try to, to, to communicate, um, you know, not just the fundamental nature of this, but the critical, absolute, you know, eternity, life, and death importance of, of what it is that, that we're saying here. So again, if, if this year is to be about anything, um, I know that sometimes, you know, people make long lists of things when they face a new year that they want to accomplish, things we want to do better, uh, things we want to, you know, do less of, things we need to get out of our lives, more things we need to add to our lives. I'm, I'm not trying to discourage you from doing that. But what I am wanting to encourage you to do uh, this morning, and, and it's that kind of the power of focus and that focus on one thing. And that one thing is to give him the place in your life that he deserves. To give him that place in your life that he alone is worthy of. Because that is the one thing that you and I can focus on that will make the biggest difference in every area of our lives. Remember the analogy of the hub and the spokes. You say, well, I need to work on my marriage. I need, I need to be a better parent. I need, to, I need to do better with finances. I need to focus on my health this year. I need to clean up the way I'm eating. All these other, listen, all of that's important, but your health, your marriage, your finances, your, your, your marriage, your family, all of these things are, again, spokes of your life. And if, there's, if Jesus is, is not at the center, who, who remembers that song, Jesus at the Center of It All? I, I was meditating on these things yesterday and I went and, and, uh, and found it on Spotify. And uh, I listened to a few different versions of it. I like Israel Houghton's version of it the best, I believe. But, but you know, if, if he is not in the place in our lives that, that he deserves and that he belongs, um, it doesn't matter how much we try to focus on these other areas, there's still going to be nothing more than detached pieces floating in, spl- in, in space w- without any real meaning or, or real uh, grounding, if you will, foundation um, in our lives. Amen. Uh, turn with me uh, to Matthew, the 10th chapter. Matthew chapter 10. Amen. Matthew chapter 10. And um, let's, uh, let's look at a few verses here. Let's begin... Um, in verse number 37, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37. It says, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. 
We'll come back to this in just a moment. Do you, do you remember uh, one day in three of the four Gospels all contain this? Jesus is walking along with his disciples and he looks at them and he says, Who do men say that I am? And they gave answers like, uh, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, others say uh, one of the prophets. Uh, One gospel even says one of the prophets that has now risen from the dead. And then Jesus looks at them and he says, but who do you say that I am? Now, when Jesus asked them, first of all, who do men say that I am? Jesus knew what was being said about him. Jesus wasn't wanting to know if the masses knew his name. He wasn't asking if they knew his identity. He was asking if they knew who he was. He was asking if they understood his value, if they understood what his worth was. Let me say it another way. He wanted to know if anybody understood his place. He then says, but who do you say that I am? And we know that by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Simon Peter says that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I believe one of the most important questions we can ever answer and answer correctly is, who do you say that He is? What place are you giving Him in your life? Let me me rephrase the question. Who is He to you? What is His value to you? What is He worth in your life? How do you personally value Him? Or here's another word, how do you personally, individually esteem Him? And not to come down too heavy, too fast on you this morning, but again, we need to not only spend some time with this question, we need to spend some time with this question on an ongoing basis in our lives. Because it's very easy for us to say that Jesus is the most important thing in our lives. But do our schedules say that? Do do our plans and purposes and pursuits line up with that? Does our bank account reflect Him being the most important, the the, the most worthy uh, individual relationship in our lives? Who do you say that He is? What place does He occupy in your individual life, in your heart, in your mind, in your schedule, in, in, in your plans? Amen. Amen. Now, in Matthew the 10th chapter, Jesus says that if, if you love mother and father more than me, you're not worthy of me. 
Let's, let's read that again. And I know we've, we've looked at these verses a few times. One more time. He who loves father or mother more than me, verse 37, is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Jesus is not telling you to disrespect your mama. He's telling you to respect him more. He's not telling you to love your family less. He's telling you to love Him more. He's not saying don't ever listen to another thing your father says. But He's saying whatever you do, don't listen to what your father says over what I'm saying to you. It's about giving Him place. And in their day, the most important place people occupied in another person's life were family members. Family members occupied the highest place in an individual's life. In a son's life, no one occupied a higher place in his heart as far as influence over him, as far as a voice that spoke into his life. No one had more influence over or a stronger voice speaking into a son's life than his father. And yet Jesus says to, to those sons, if you're not willing to put my voice and my influence ahead of even your own biological father's voice and influence in your life, you're not worthy of me. He's clearly saying that we must give him the right place. We must give him the right place. Now, this I know can be, uh, perspective is everything, and, and how we look at this can determine whether or not this is good news to you or bad news to you. I offer to you this morning that this is actually really, really good news in light of what Jesus could have said. Jesus could have said something like this, unless you have five years perfect attendance in Sunday school, you're not worthy of me. Unless you can go 12 months in a row without sinning, you're not worthy of me. Unless you've given at least $100,000 to the church, you're not worthy of me. Unless you've memorized two dozen Bible verses and can quote them, at any moment anybody asks you, you're not worth... No, see, he didn't say anything like that. He just simply said, if you're not willing to give me the place I deserve in your life, then you're not worthy of me. Has nothing to do with education. Has nothing to do with, with, um, with, with race or gender. Has nothing to do with how much money you have or don't have. Has nothing to do with that. What he's basically saying here is anybody, no matter where they come from, no matter who they are, no matter how much money they have or don't have, right? No matter how much they know or don't know. No matter how good they've been or how bad they've been. Remember when Jesus was looking for people through the parable, people who would come and fill Father's house. He sent the servants. He said, go bring the good and the bad. Because anyone who's willing to have a relationship with him on his terms can have one. The door is wide open. He's saying that if you want to be worthy to receive the greatest gift that has ever been given to humanity, all you have to do, right, is give that gift the right place in your life and you're worthy to receive it. I see this as good news, not bad news. I see this as a positive, not a negative. Now, the context of this, let's pick it back up in verse 40. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. 
And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. So when Jesus gives us this principle, as a matter of fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to present it to you this morning, not just as a principle, but as a spiritual law. Jesus is revealing to you and me a spiritual law. We could call it the law of giving place. He's saying that if you will receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, then you will receive the prophet's reward. He goes on to give us the same law but not referring to a prophet, he then refers to receiving a righteous man. In the name of a righteous man, you'll receive a righteous man's reward. And then he goes all the way down to the level of disciple. If you'll receive a disciple in the name of a disciple, you will receive the disciple's reward. Or, as he says, even a cup of cold water given by a disciple. Now, as the gospel unfolds, you're going to see in other places even where Jesus sent his disciples into other uh, cities and towns. And we see that in some of those cities and towns, those disciples were received as those representing Jesus, representing Jesus to them. And because they gave them that place of a disciple of Jesus, they were able to minister as if they were Jesus in those places. They laid their hands on sick people and healed them. They cast out devils in Jesus' name. But we also see that there were places where those disciples went. They were not received in the name of a disciple. They were unable to heal the sick. They were unable to cast out demons. And Jesus told them to the disciples, they're newbies, they're beginning, they're, rook, they're beginners, they're rookies, right? Jesus says, look, don't be offended. Don't get all caught up in that. Shake the dust off your feet, right? Amen. See, we, people offend us and, and we, start, we throw a fit in the dust. Now we got dust not just on our feet, we got it all in our hair and stuck in the sweat on our faces and all this. Just don't, listen to me, please. Just gently shake the dust off your feet and ease on out of there. He says, and go to the next place. Because the next place who recognizes you for who you are, who will receive you in the name of a disciple, I will be able to work through you in those places. So we have three different Levels or categories, if you will. Disciple, righteous man, prophet. And we see that the same is true in each of these positions of influence. If you receive a disciple in the name of a disciple, if you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, man, we could, we could talk to the end of February about all the book of Proverbs alone says about the, the value a righteous man will add to your life. This is speaking of like in the New Testament we would call them elders. These would be people in your life who are more mature spiritually than you, who, who have walked this walk with Jesus longer than you, and, and if we would respect them and honor uh, these men and women, um, then we would benefit greatly from uh, their lives, uh, and, and we would ultimately be able to receive from them what, what they've received from God the Father to give to us. He then carries that up to the level of prophet. If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, 
In other words, God would choose prophets from among his people. It, it would be like if Aaron was chosen from among us by God to be a prophet. And that's why Jesus said, and we'll look at it if we have time a little bit later, but he, he, he said that a prophet is not without honor. That word honor is another word for place. He is not without place except for among his own people. Why is that? Because his own people say, who does he think he is? Act like a big shot around us. We know you, Aaron. We know you were raised with us. We, we were there, right? We, we know all about you. Now you you acting like you something that you're not. But see, you've got to understand, if God chose Aaron to be a prophet among us, amen, in order to receive what it is that God gave Aaron to give to all of us, you've got to receive him as a prophet. If he's just uh, Jesus, son of Mary, if he's just James and Judas's brother, in other words, that's what they said in his own hometown, right? They said, where does Jesus get this uh, stuff that he's saying and, and, and these mighty works that he's doing? Did he not grow up with us? Is he not one of us? See, the only place they were willing to give him was a place equal to them. So the spiritual law of giving place simply says this, if you do not give the people place in your life that God has sent into your life to bless you, then you will not be able to receive from them that which God the Father has given to them to give to you. See, Father God gives things to people to then give to you. I say this, as humbly as I know how to say it, God has given me some things to give to you. And it's the great joy of my life to be able to give to you what He gives to me to give to you. My prayer to Him constantly is simply this, Father, help me help you help them. He's the great shepherd. Amen. Are you following what I'm saying? But when God sends somebody into your life that He has given something to, to give to you, if you do not give that person the place that they deserve, that they're worthy of in your life, then you will not receive from them what Father God has given to them to give to you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. See, some of you are like, man, he's just getting all full of himself up in there. No, no, no. See, again, see, that's the, that's the deal. That's the whole thing right there. Amen. Amen. So he said, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, let's talk about this word receive. There, there are different words, like so many in the Greek, there are different words translated into our English word receive, each with a slightly different variation of meaning. This word receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, it, it literally means to deliberately receive or to receive with um, eagerness. The, 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 the idea is that we're intentionally receiving, we're intentionally recognizing, and, and, and we're doing it quickly, we're doing it uh, eagerly, with, with, with excitement. Now, there's another word, and I'm not, I'm not going to give you the transliteration, it's not important, there's another word that's translated receive, and, and, and it means to receive reluctantly. All right? And to receive reluctantly would be like, 
I, I guess I'll take one of those. Did we receive? What do you want to eat tonight, honey? I don't know. What do you want to eat tonight? Oh, it doesn't matter to me. Well, you choose. I chose last time. Now, see, we're going to receive something for supper. But we haven't done it deliberately, intentionally, and eagerly. My children took me to, uh, to P.F. Chang's for my birthday. There was, see, that was determined beforehand. We didn't like, well, where do you want to go for your birthday? I don't know where you want to go for my birthday. No, see, none of that. See, it, it was already deliberately, we were looking forward to it. You understand? There's a difference here in these degrees of receiving. And so when it says receive a prophet, he's talking about something that you do with, with deliberation, with, with intention, not with, with question, not with reluctance, not like, well, okay, whatever. You know, no, no. See, that's, that's receiving, but that's not giving in place. Giving in place is when with, 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 with great intent and excitement even, you, not passive. See, there's, there's a passive receiving and there's an aggressive receiving. There's a, give me a best shot, Pastor Mark. Let's see what you got this morning, right? And there's a, Father's got something for me and He's going to speak to me through Pastor Mark this morning and I'm coming to hear what it is that He has to say to me through Him, right? Because God's interested in my life and my family. God's interested in me prospering and being healthy. My Heavenly Father desires for me to, to, to grow up into Jesus and fulfill my purpose and destiny in Christ Jesus. And I have chosen, led by the Holy Spirit, and chosen to recognize Him as my pastor, as one that God speaks through. I, I recognize that His spirit, soul, and body is nothing more than a portal through which God's wisdom passes from eternity into time and space into my heart and mind. And I'm coming deliberately, eagerly to hear and receive. See, there's a difference in receiving. Amen. So when Jesus says, if you receive a prophet, again, with this not passive, but, but almost there's an aggressiveness to it. There, there's, a, there's an intent to it. There, there, there's an eagerness to it, right? If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, in other words, if you will give that prophet the place in your life that Father God sent that prophet into your life to occupy, you will receive that prophet's reward. What is that? Well, that word reward could be, could be translated what he earns, his wages, I like this one. It's compensation in recognition of services rendered. Compensation in recognition of services rendered. Wages are earning. Now when Jesus revealed to us this law of giving him place, this law of giving place, 
He talked about a disciple and receiving a disciple. He talked about a righteous man and receiving a righteous man. He talked about a prophet and receiving a prophet. He did not finish, but I believe he left it for the Holy Spirit to finish in each one of our hearts. Because if we receive a disciple in the name of a disciple, we'll get a disciple's reward. If we receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, we'll receive a righteous man's reward. If we receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, we'll receive a prophet's reward. What in the world will we receive? receive if we receive the Son of God for who He truly is? What will we receive if we receive in our life Jesus Hamash, Yeshua HaMashiach as the Messiah? In our, if we give Him place in our lives that He deserves, we will receive His reward. We will receive what He earned. But who did He come here to earn it for? What he earned on this earth through his obedience, he earned for you and me. What he was given by Father God, he was given so that it could then be passed along to you and me. Recognition of services rendered. This is why the Apostle Paul says, when Jesus was crucified, I was crucified with Him. When Jesus was buried, I was buried with Him. When Jesus was raised up from the dead, I was raised up together with Him to newness of life. When Jesus ascended to the throne of the universe and was seated on the right hand of God the Father, I ascended with Him. You say, wait a second, how does that work, Pastor Mark? We are being recognized for services rendered by our Messiah because we have given Him place in our lives as Messiah and we have now participated in his reward. Amen. Are you seeing this? Thank you, Jesus. I don't even know if I need to look at that watch. Praise God. All right, we'll, we'll land this plane right here. So Mark 6, turn with me quickly. Mark chapter 6. Listen to me, please. I'm not trying to, I'm not, oh, you've got to get a hold of this, right? we got so many people in the body of Christ today. We're wanting Jesus to do in our lives things we have not given Him the place to do. We haven't given Him place. And we say, well, you're just waiting on God. We just, we just uh, you know, whenever he gets ready, whenever he's going to come through for us. No, 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 he's already ready. He's already come through for you. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He has given you all things that pertain to life. Not will give, has given, has blessed. He didn't say by his stripes you will be healed. He said by his stripes you were healed. We, see, we, we want a relationship with him on our terms. Listen, we've got to get him out of the stable and get him in the front door of our lives and get him on the throne of our hearts. You keep a donkey in the stable to bring him out whenever you need him. You don't give donkey place in your home. You don't give donkey place in your daily decisions. You don't let donkey sit at the head of your table and, and eat a meal with your family. But when you need donkey, you go get donkey out of the stable to go pull your plow or go carry your burden or go take you somewhere. 
And we treated Jesus like, like they treated Him when He was born. We've sent Him to the stable and we call on Him when we need Him. Get Him out of the stable and get Him at the head of your dining room table and let Him live your life and family. You want Him to do things for you that you haven't given Him place to do. If you're going to treat Him like a donkey, the best He's going to be able to do for you is what a donkey can do for you. But if you'll treat Him as Lord, if you'll treat Him as the Creator of the universe, are you understand what I'm saying? If you'll treat Him as Healer, if you'll treat Him as Savior, if you'll treat Him as Deliverer, if you'll treat Him as the One who became a curse for you so that the blessing of Abraham could become alive and well and active in your life and family. That's who He is. Not some good luck charm. Not some rabbit's foot. He's the Lord of the universe. He's the head of the church. Amen. So Jesus goes to his hometown in Mark chapter 6. We'll finish this tonight. Let me say this much and then we'll do communion, okay? Then he went out from there, verse, chapter 6, verse 1. He went out from there, came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? It's not a question mark. They're not asking a question. If you'll notice, in my Bible, the punctuation is an exclamation point. They're not, they're not saying, where, where did he get this? How's he doing that? No, they're like, where did he get this? They're not asking a question. They're making a statement. And then they're going to make another statement. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. It literally means they rejected him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, without place, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Verse 5, now he could do, not wouldn't do, couldn't do any mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. You say, well, how was, if he could do no mighty work, why could he heal a few sick people? Because I believe there were a few sick people who did give him place. There's always the Joshua, there's always the Caleb, there's always the exception. Amen. Oh, sweet Jesus. It's time, for their, it's time for us to go from exceptions to the kind of mass healings and deliverances like we saw in the earthly ministry of Jesus. You look at what Jesus was able to do among people who gave him place, and you look at what he could not do, even though the Bible clearly says he desired to do it among people who would not give him place. Verse 6, and he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went about the village, villages in a circuit teaching. All right, let me, amen. Here's the part I want you to see. It really jumped out to me recently. They did not deny the marvelous things that he had to say, nor did they deny the mighty works 
that were performed by his hands. They weren't like, they weren't like saying, oh, this is all just a fake. He's, he's plagiarized somebody. He's, he's uh, you know, doing some kind of hocus pocus here, some kind. No, no. It was undeniable. And, and they didn't even try to deny. They were like astonished at the wisdom with which he spoke. And they were amazed by the mighty works that he did. They never questioned his ability to do mighty works. No more than the religious leaders. You still with me? No more than the religious leaders questioned it. I mean, people who hated his guts were trying to to figure a way out to kill him said, never a man spoke like this man. Nicodemus was one of those religious leaders. He said, we, he says, I know God has to be with you. We know. There was a faction. We know God has to be with you to do the mighty works, the miracles. In other words, it was undeniable. So you've got undeniable wisdom. You've got undeniable mighty works. And yet, because they gave him no place, they didn't receive his words And he couldn't, for themselves in other words, and he couldn't do any mighty work among them. Amen. If you're serving communion, if you would, please come forward. Singers and musicians, if you would come too, please. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I resisted a moment ago. I'll mention it just briefly here. One of the key things that you have to understand about a law, think law of gravity. A law produces the same result every time. So when we talk about the law of giving place that Jesus revealed to us, we see that if the right place isn't given, then what the individual has received to give to you will will never um, pass from them to you. Even if you recognize that that person has something for you. They recognize that Jesus could do mighty works. They recognize that Jesus had done undeniable miracles. But he's just marrying Joseph's boy. I don't know why he comes up in here acting like some big shot. Because they didn't give him place, he couldn't do for them what God the Father had put in him to do for them. Amen. Father, as we come before you this morning, we say thank you. And Father, among other things, as we celebrate this Lord's Supper together, Father, we're going we're gonna to solidify in our hearts over this meal Jesus' place, giving Jesus' place in our lives, in our families, and in this family of faith, Lord, this new year. Thank you, Father, for every person present and for the great plan that you have for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The men are going to...
begin to serve you this morning. If you're a guest with us, we would love for you to enjoy communion with us. Amen. If you're a member of the body of Christ, then you're a member of, of us and us with you. If you're served first, if you would, please hold your emblems. And um, after everyone's served, we will partake together.